Hey, welcome to Conversations with Ben Dixon, where we're talking about important issues through a biblical lens with the hope to encourage and strengthen you in your life. If you want to know where you can go to download these, you can go to Apple or Spotify for audio. You can go to YouTube, which is probably what you're watching right now, or Facebook. Make sure you type in Ignite Global Ministries and click the bell for notifications. If you miss all of that, just go to conversationswithbendixon.com. We've got a new episode every Monday morning that's dropping. we got a lot of special guests, and today we're going to be talking about maintaining a healthy heart. If I were to extend that title, Maintaining a Healthy Heart in a Toxic World. And today, I have somebody special to me that's joining me, Pastor Chris Manginelli from Mill Creek Foursquare Church. What's up, Chris? Hello, my friend. Chris, you don't know this. Some of you know this. Chris is one of my best friends, and he was also my lead pastor for many years. We were on staff together. I was his associate pastor, and we know each other really, really well, so the jokes might flow a little too much. But listen, <laughs> you love him. We love him. It's going to be a great time. But the reason that I have Chris on today, number one, he's one of my best friends. Number two, he's a great pastor in in our region up there in Linwood, Washington, Mill Creek Foursquare. Look it up online. But also because when it comes to the topic of maintaining a healthy heart, we've needed to understand that, and we need to understand that more now probably than ever. That probably was always the case, but today for sure. And Chris is one of those um, individuals in my life that is an example to me. I think he's an example to hundreds, if not thousands of people, not even because he's a pastor, but as a father, as a husband, as a man of God, as a pastor, as somebody that lives in a neighborhood that interacts with lots of people, the way that he stewards his heart is an example to all of us. And so I'm, I'm hoping to pull a lot of that out of you today that would encourage you. And so pay attention to this because I believe that this is a time where we're getting offended, we're getting upset, we're making a lot of compulsive and emotional decisions that are not based on maybe prayer and based on uh, God's Word and how we should navigate these times. And I believe that today's episode will help you and help us as we come into a fresh place of putting our hearts before God. And I'd like to start the podcast, Chris, by asking you a simple question. And that is, because the last year was what it was, we, yeah. we won't talk about all that, because it was <laughs> what it was, what was um, one of the hardest things that you personally had to deal with just on a heart level and what you went through? I'd like to say that I have only one or two examples to draw from. I doubt that. But I have a whole <laughs> slew yeah, of them. you do. I have a whole slew of them. So I think I'm going to speak respecting the whole. Sure. Regarding yeah. the whole. Yeah. I think the most difficult heart level thing that I've had to grapple with, I'm a relational being, mm -hmm. deeply relational. My values are constructed around the relationships that I have. Right. And so in this season of toxicity and hyper opinion and difference, mm -hmm. one of my heart's wrestlings is it's just been dealing with relational pain. Mm -hmm. The at a volume that it's not known before. I mean, there's no way to walk through any season in our life and not have some level of pain somewhere relationally. Yep, yep. I think it's just almost impossible, if we're honest. Right, yeah. But this last year has been a season where it's, it's, it's pain that just almost feels crippling. Mm -hmm. Because relationships are just here, there, and everywhere. I mean, where a relationship isn't in your face, mm -hmm. there's another three that are just fading to gray. Mm -hmm. And that says, you know, I, I, one of my relational questions is, would I rather have somebody disagree with me to the point 
that they dress me down with their words, if you will, right? They just take me to task mm -hmm. and kind of obliterate me. If, would I prefer that mm -hmm. over and above someone I've walked with for years, someone I've cried with, someone I've laughed with, mm -hmm. someone I've shared in holy moments with? Mm -hmm. uh, treating relationship so blithely that they can just walk away. Mm -hmm. Not a word spoken, mm -hmm. not, not anything. Mm -hmm. So I've had to just walk through this relational dynamic and ask the Lord, what in the world do I do with what's going on in here? Sure. Yeah. Also, and just asking, how do I live in a way that's fair to other people? Right. Because right? when pain is this... I. I've long said that pain makes us strangely arrogant. Mm. It's a strange arrogance that settles on our life. Mm -hmm. Pain makes us very self-focused. Yeah, it does. Right? That's right. We, we very much look inward when we're hurting. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a strange arrogance that settles on our lives when there's a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. Very self-focused. Everything's happening to me. And so mm -hmm. we're re just responding. It's like we're in survival mode. Right. So I've just thought, Lord, how do I deal with all of this pain and not and not be unkind to others, not be unfair to others, because I'm just as broken as anyone else. Right, right. Not not justify myself over and above um, you know, being fair to others, mm -hmm. you know, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. Like how do I walk this out and please you? Mm -hmm. I'm really, really hurting and I'm disillusioned. Mm -hmm. I'm disappointed mm -hmm. i'm lord i i don't know what to do mm. so how do you how do you how do you deal with your heart in a moment like that i don't know mm -hmm. but i sure have tried to well you have i mean the fact is you you would say you don't know but as a person that's in your life i know that even if you wouldn't say i know to where i'd write a book about it you certainly have a process and relational pain, which we've talked about for years, I think, um, this last season is, uh, there's, there's no end. It's just like it hasn't stopped, mm -hmm. right? And maybe you've, you could say, I've, we've, I've been surprised by who it is mm -hmm. that I've ended up having an issue with um, that I would have never guessed. If, if I would have mm -hmm. had a lineup of, of, of people that would have taken a ticket and said, I'm, I'm in line to have an issue with Ben. <laughs> mm -hmm. It could be a long line, but there are a number <laughs> of people that are in that line that I didn't think would be. And, and it's one thing to have a disagreement. It's one thing to navigate differently. It's one thing to say, you know, the way you would do that or did that or think about that, I differ. Okay, we have that. But it's the way that we've concluded mm -hmm. as a result of our disagreements. That's what surprised me. Sometimes I'm sitting with a person over the last year in particular, or a year and a half, let's say, and I'm talking to them, and we almost agree on all of the issues, mm -hmm. but it's how a person then concludes yeah. uh, based on their you know, version of what is true or what should happen or, or how we feel about um, anything from government to theology or whatever, yeah. relationships, family. We almost agree. It's like I felt like I've almost agreed with people 90%, but the way that you're going to respond to that truth versus the way I am 
and not to suggest like, hey, I'm better than you and I know it better than you, but mm. I'm just, it's just been so vastly different that it's, it's almost felt irreconcilable to that individual or to me, even though yeah. I would seek reconciliation. But what comes out of that is this relational pain where it's like, we can't move on. We can't yeah. grow beyond this. I want to, and I certainly yeah. would try to, and I've learned to allow for disagreements more. I think two things I've learned hmm. in the last year, uh, maybe nothing else, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> two things for sure. One is that I've gotten, I, I didn't realize that it was harder to disagree on the minors for me, personally. Hmm. Hmm. I could di like on the majors, it was easy because you just part company. You, you, you know, if we're not in the same camps hmm. on certain issues, we could just part ways, right? I could accept that. See you in heaven. God bless you. But for me, I had a harder time. I would say uh, charity and all things, like when it comes to minor issues, we major on the majors, minor on the minor. I actually had a harder time with disagreeing on the minors and hmm. I've had to grow in that, which hmm. has been really a, the grace of God. The second thing is I didn't realize I could get hurt so badly. Mm. Personally, if you ask me, like, am I a sensitive person? To a degree, yeah, I would say, yeah. I would have said, to a degree, I am. I don't think I'm an oversensitive person. I'm on the mm. once a year plan for crying, and you know, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I you don't know? subscribe to that. Yeah, and I don't, I don't carry that around as a badge because I think men can and should cry appropriately. Sure, and sure. I, I, but my point is, is that I am deeply emotional. Mm -hmm. I hold my emotions differently. Mm. The thing I love about what you're just sharing, even like one of the greatest or maybe more difficult things about this last season, this toxic season that you've had to grapple with is relational pain because you love people. Mm. That's really the crux of it. If you go mm. underneath why that's such an issue, it's because you love people. And that's what I think is a, is a very clear trajectory for all of us in followers mm. of Christ. We love people. We love God. We love people. When that love can't reach a greater fullness, there's a conflict. There's an issue. There's a difficulty. And in that, this relational pain sort of exists, especially when it's not reconciled. And so the thing I know about you, Chris, and, and I think we want to pull out and just put on the table and sort of look at, number one is that as you're talking, it's like most of us probably don't even go to that place to even become aware mm. of how we feel, Yeah. right? Suppression is a real thing. So you're actually in your processing of having a healthy heart. What you're even doing is you're putting on the table like the fact that you're already meditating on this. You're putting it before God. You're thinking through this. You're praying about it. It reveals the process. It reveals that you do know how to deal with this. Hmm. The second thing is that how you do that always brings you to healthy conclusions. I told Chris, even today, uh, him and I were talking about a situation, and, um, and once we were done, we were off the phone. I think it was this week or last week. He texted me back um, with a conviction in his heart about something specific that we referenced, and that is what I love about you. This is what makes mm. you a great example. This is what a Christ follower should be like, is that when we... You, you didn't even say anything that was really wrong, mm. honestly, in my, in my mind. To get the text was almost like, like, okay, Chris, all you did in this text is make me feel like I'm a whole lot worse than I am, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> but he was just going to the depth of that place. So I want to ask you... How do you, like, as you deal with the relational pain and some of the stress and the toxicity, toxicity around us, how do mm. we maintain yeah. Jesus in us? Like, yeah. what do you do? Yeah, well, I, I'm not entirely sure, but hopefully you can pull it bring out Bring it of out, me. bring it out. Come, Come on, on, my yeah. friend. Yeah. Come on. All right. This guy's good for me. Hey. So, self-deception, in my view, is the worst form of deception. Oh, yeah. Because 
it disallows us from growing an awareness regarding the way in which we are stewarding our influence in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. The way in which we're making an impact with our verbal, our nonverbal communications, with our specific reach towards or our lack thereof. Mm-hmm. And so I, I very regularly talk with the Lord about, Lord, keep me from self-deception. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to do what's right in my own eyes. That's right, yeah. I don't want to live a life of self-justification. Mm-hmm. There is no life. There is not one ounce of life to be found in justifying myself mm-hmm. ever in any situation. That's a good word, man. <laughs> ever. Yeah. Period. If that doesn't obliterate us, that should right there. There's just That's no the life truth. to be found yeah. there. Wow. God can affirm. Mm-hmm. God can defend. God, God can make a way, mm-hmm. right? Even where we've been slandered, which I have been and you have been. Mm-hmm. And that's painful, man. Yeah, it is. When somebody just flat out lies about you mm-hmm. to other people, mm-hmm. and it costs you relationally with those people who've believed the lie. Mm-hmm. That I just have yet to find any way in which life actually abounds by me justifying myself. Mm-hmm. Now, in some of my closest relationships, I've noticed that if I'm just patient, mm. if I just play a long game, mm. then eventually I get to address some of those believed about me things that just aren't true. Mm-hmm. But because it's the long game, t- if you just trust the Lord with that... In the long run, those it's not true with everyone, but those that are most precious to you, mm-hmm. often I have found I get to address that and see see my character mm-hmm. um, redeemed in their eyes, mm-hmm. which is so helpful. Boy, mm-hmm. does that feel good when that happens, right? Mm-hmm. So for and me... Patience, right? Patience you is... Just, you just brought up patience. I, I've literally in this season asked people... Would you be patient with me as mm. I make decisions? Mm. And I have found that that is an unrealistic expectation. Mm. Now, again, it should, I'm not saying it should be, but patience is when, even when I ask for it, would you be patient with me as I pray and make decisions? Because that truly is, is we have to pray. We have to put this in front of God. We have to have some time on things that have nuance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that bo- just is, everything has nuance right now. And that's been Nothing disallowed. Nothing is easy. That's been to- Nothing. That's been totally disallowed, right? And so you, um, there's a difference between maintaining a healthy heart and sustaining a perfect heart. <laughs> mm, we, don't, we don't have a perfect heart. Mm-mm. I mean, we've been given a new heart, the Bible says, in Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Like he, he took out the, the heart of stone and gave us a heart of flesh. So we have a new nature. We, we have a new heart. Maintaining the health of that and not allowing mm-hmm. it to be corrupted by the sinful nature mm-hmm. and de- self-deceive. Self-deception, you've already... Con- it's the story you tell yourself, mm-hmm. right? It's not, it's not just the 100%. external... So, yeah, so yeah. You, which leads you know, to all kinds of lack of integrity. Um, I heard somebody put it one time. They said that integrity is being truthful with yourself uh, mm. because what flows out of that is true integrity. It's integrity of the heart. Mm. Um, and then... Uh, uh, and I, so... One time you were preaching, and I heard you talk about you encouraged a group of pastors to 
you know, go after worship music. I mean, you, you yeah. even, you know, and that actually touched me. Hmm. Um, and I believe that, you know, rejoice, rejoice. I say it again, rejoice, exchange a spirit of heaviness for a garment of praise. I, I think when you think about 950 verses in the Bible about hmm. singing unto God in the Psalms and even the honest singing to God and your pain and your processing and Psalm 77 was really dear to me. And um, hmm. I believe you do that, right? You encourage pastors to do that. Talk about... Um, how you come to God, like let, you have this relational pain. We we deal with these issues. We all yeah. do, no matter what your job is or your family structure is like. We all deal with issues and pain and angst and like what what are some of the practical things that you do that help you? Yeah, thank you. If you reference a, a time actually that involved you, though, mm-hmm. though um, you may not realize it. Uh, I I had the opportunity to encourage a group of pastors out of my COVID journey, mm-hmm. and it was. That last fall, last fall was was an uh, an eye of a storm. Hmm. I'd like to tell you it was the only one I've had mm-hmm. in the last year. You got two eyes though, so no way. <laughs> got more than that. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Multiple there have been there have yeah. been, been, been rounds with this, right? Yeah. So yeah. to the point that I'm expecting another wave. It's mm-hmm. like waves on a on a shoreline. Mm-hmm. But I I was 21 years in vocational ministry. I was at a point where I genuinely wondered if I really wanted to do this anymore. Hmm. And it wasn't my love of God that was compelling me or lack thereof, right? It wasn't a a lack of integrity personally. It wasn't because I was trying to hide anything. It it was as a lover of the local church, all of my, all of my discipleship has been in the context of the local church. All of it. I love the local church since I was a little boy. Yeah. My love for the local church had met more disappointment with the local church than I knew what to do with. Mm. And so, um, I, while I had hit something of a new low vocationally, I knew I had reached points in my past where I, was, I wasn't as hungry for God as I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. The sense of His nearness... Right, we know that God's always with us. The Spirit of the Living God abides in us. Mm-hmm. But I, I knew that that relational way with God, mm. which is so precious, I just I've had times in my in my story where I just knew that that dynamic was not what it had been or what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Dry times, we might call them. Right. So I, I in that low moment, I just said, "Okay, what have I done in the past mm-hmm. when I'm feeling like I need refreshment?" And so I just went back to the, I went and I picked up old authors, books that I had read at the right time. Mm -hmm. And I went back and I listened to old worship music. But I, here's one thing I've noticed in the seasons where I am asking the Lord for renewal within Mm -hmm. is really new worship music is helpful to me. And often the themes are very much the same, right? When you pick up a, a worship CD album, whatever, you know, go to Spotify, you're listening on iTunes. The themes are almost identical. Mm-hmm. Faithfulness, mm-hmm. His nearness, I'm in the desert, <laughs> I'm dealing with some level of fear or doubt, right? I mean, honestly, it, it, it's... Yeah. But there's something about new. And this, I actually think this points to the beauty of art in all of this. Yeah. In pain. Thank God for artists. Yeah. Because artists somehow help us get somewhere that, I don't know, get to the heart of things. Right. And so 
Yeah, I picked up a new worship album, and I listened to it for the first time mm-hmm. on my way down here because you had invited me to speak at the church where you're serving. Wow. And, dude, I I cried a lot on that car ride home, mm-hmm. or car ride down to see you, and then back home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I was just listening to this and through it, because the you know you just get to pour your heart out to God. Yeah, He's our home. Mm-hmm. He's safe, and and there it did. It brought us. And there was this one song on the album, and it gets me. It's an old song, but it newly done. Um, my heart burns for you, mm-hmm. and I could just say in all of my discouragement and disillusionment what got me obedient to a call to serve as a shepherd is what keeps me obedient to a call my heart just burns for you Mm. it's you Mm -hmm. and that that's enough for me right now Mm -hmm. but because of the toxicity it's not like that happens in a vacuum and I'm good for three more years. <laughs> that's one thing I've noticed in this season yeah. is I need more of those. Yeah, that's right. I need more of those yep. than I did in the past. I could get one of those every six months mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. I need that a little more often right now. Mm-hmm. My, the margins of my life are gone. Mm. The emotional margins of my life are gone. And I usually have some. And I just don't quite have those Super right now. Point. I just don't. So I need, I need God more. I just, I need Him more. Mm-hmm. Like on a deeply practical, like emotionally healthy, stewarding my heart well in the Lord sort of way. I need you more. The picture that I get when you're talking is like previous seasons, our spirit was like a reservoir. And every three, six months, God would fill it up, you know, and it could be... A reservoir is sort of dispensed for like irrigational purposes, right? It, but it's dispensed at different times. It isn't like fill up and then the next day it's used. You fill up this big tank of water and so the water can flow at times it's needed. But these days, that's like the last season. These days, it's like our spirit is more like a hose. As it comes, so it goes. <laughs> mm, man, that's good. And instead of this buildup, we need a regular flow. Mm. I agree with that. I resonate with that. That's one of the things that I do. Um, and I've told our church this, is that I receive communion every service almost, or at mm-hmm. least every weekend, even if it's not every service. But I receive communion. And I just, because in my own brokenness, I have to look at Christ. Because there's all, you know, uh, whether my own issues as a result of my sin or the pain of someone else's sin really doesn't matter because looking upon the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, what he's done for me, what I didn't deserve, what I couldn't earn, it draws me out of my pain, even Mm. if it's for a a worship song, even if it's during service. But I just don't even want to get up and talk about God if I'm not, if I don't have him in full view. And so there's a a psalm, and I I wrote, I brought it with me today um, that I've that has resonated with me and it echoes in my heart when I receive communion. And it's Psalm 19:14, where the psalmist writes, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. And I'm, I'm literally, every, uh, every time I put my heart 
the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth every time I receive communion, which is that cleansing of God in my life, right? To see Him and not myself and to see what He's done for me, to draw me into gratitude and thankfulness. When I do that, He, he never... Uh, he never allow. It's like he never allows that time to be silent. Mm. There's always a conviction mm. of which his blood covers. There's always a revelation of something that I've said or done, and I don't feel the guilt of God. I mean, I'm guilty of committing a sin, but I don't feel like a false guilt or a sense of shame. I feel the conviction, but right alongside it, I see the cross, and it's in the love of God that I exchange that for something mm. that's greater. And then when I get up to share, when I get up to preach, and honestly, I feel that lo, th- that I'm not, I'm cleansed, you know, I can, I can represent the Lord. And, and who can even say that? Like, I could speak for God. I, I'm not a g- trying to be good at that or even an expert, but mm. I feel that that needs to happen so frequently, so regularly. Mm. That's why I receive communion every weekend. I don't wait mm. for once a month. Mm. Um, in fact, I don't even wait for once a week. I receive communion regularly because I have to get my eyes off myself. Mm-hmm. Because when I just when I I'm navel I call it navel gazing. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> when way. I'm just staring, yeah. When I'm just staring at myself, and you see yourself, you see things you don't like. You blame shift, you put it off on other people, you make excuses, you mm-hmm. justify. We all, the flesh has a sophisticated way of not humbling itself. Mm. <laughs> and, and man, uh, that's good. Right. The flesh well, is sophisticated. It really is. In you know, its I, ability I, to not. That I, is preach a, true. I, preach, I preach a message called uh, uh, The Crucified Life and uh, coming to a pulpit near you. But, I, but when, I, when I talk about Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, if anyone wishes to follow me, you must first, and that word should just be highlighted. It should be half a page of a Bible, you mm. know, first, mm. if anyone wishes, desires to come after me, to follow me. If you want the way of Jesus, first, you must deny yourself, mm. self take up your cross, the instrument of crucifixion to the flesh, and then come and follow me. That, in my mind, I preach that message to myself first, to deny myself. Mm. Uh, we're preoccupied with self. I mean, that's we go to the gym, there's mirrors everywhere. We like to work on ourselves while we look at ourselves and, and think about ourselves and talk about ourselves and take a selfie of ourselves and post it mm. on our own Instagram to, you know, I'm judging someone right now, but you understand, <laughs> but it's selfie, you know, we, somebody said, you need, I need, I need to start taking more UEs instead of selfies, you know, mm-hmm. it's a different way of life. But, uh, but when I, when I uh, preach that message, the crucified life, I'm always preaching it to myself. And I'm, I'm really talking about, um, you cannot fix the flesh, you mm-hmm. crucify it, right? The flesh cannot uh, get better. It can only get religious, right? You just, it, it sophisticates, it sophisticates itself. It's good. So it has to die so that Jesus can live. Mm. And our process in maintaining a healthy heart has to be that we have to carry that heavy cross and go to the place of crucifixion. We have, we have to die. You, ca- mm. you can't, you can't actually have life. Life cannot come. It can't spring forth without 
death because it's our sinful nature that wants to get angry and respond and get mad and justify and excuse. And all of that is just, it's latent within me. In this last couple of years, like I told you, one of the things I recognized was I get hurt way Mm. more than I thought I did. Mm. And it made me feel like self-conscious, like what's wrong with me? Like, do Mm. I need to go see a counselor or three? Yes. You know, like but that's for the normal, different... <laughs> by the way. <laughs> like, I feel like I have multiple personalities. Can I get a different counselor for each one? Yeah. <laughs> Pastors are only concerned with what, it, making sure all those personalities tithe. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but but I feel like while the environment has changed, the solution is still the same. Yeah. Death to self, the the flesh or the sinful nature cannot get better. You That's cannot well modify it. It has to die. It can only get religious. Hmm. It can only protect itself. I told this story. I, I, I want to uh, open up some more things with you here. But I told this. I told our church. I preached a couple weeks ago on the recipe for revival. Is what I called it. Second uh, Chronicles chapter seven. And uh, just saw some things in there that I thought were important because we want a reviving work of God in our day, mm-hmm. and and uh, and and we need to rediscover that, mm-hmm. you know, instead of like think I know what that means. Uh, I, I just want to pursue the Lord for His reviving work in our hearts and in our church and in our homes and in our world. And so I was preaching about this, and I remember because I was with. Pastor Chris, he was my lead pastor, and I was on staff. I was his associate pastor for at least eight years, but I was at the church for 15. And one of the things that you guys decided to do was release me into itinerant work. So I would travel around and Mm -hmm. speak at all these churches. And I went to a lot of churches and had a lot of experiences, and I was a prophetic minister, so I'd hear the voice of the Lord and and prophesy or whatever and, and... all of that. Anyways, sometimes you'd go to a church, and I, there's a distinct church in my mind that literally asked me this question. You know, you and, and it, was, it actually was in another country, and they uh, they asked me this question: Do you, did you discern the spirit, the principality that's at work against the church in this region? Did you discern that when you came here, when you got off the plane, when you? started to, you know, pray as you've been Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that question because I was like, I mean, the only thing I wanted to do was get coffee. I wasn't really (laughs) thinking about the the principality that was against the church in this region. I mean, I was going to get my mind right and my heart right and pray, and I always do that. But I wasn't thinking about nothing but just getting a cup of coffee. You know, I was like, is there coffee around here? Cold brew, baby. Yeah, yeah. I'll come with it. I'll bring Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But you need to bring the coffee first, you know? So, but anyways, I I thought about that for a day, and then I had to go back and minister, and, and then I was talking to some somebody. And I felt like the Lord showed me in overnight that first uh, Peter chapter five, I think it is, or James, yeah, James, uh, it's James chapter four and first Peter chapter five. It's, it's said twice in the new Testament. It says, uh, the passage is this, but my answer, and I'll tell you the passage, my answer was, I think I know the spirit that is against the church in this region. And I was talking, and I was talking at this church. And I think I know his name. His name is Yahweh. Hmm. The Bible says that, I know it's just not what you were looking for. Hmm. The Bible says that he, God, opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The spirit that is often opposing, he opposes the proud, that is opposing our flesh, Our flesh cannot advance. Mm. He will not share his glory with another, even as that pertains to the church. If the church rises up in the Mm. flesh, the Bible says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I told that to our church because humility Mm. 
is necessary. It's a necessary ingredient in everything that we're going to do in, in advance in our own lives, maintain a healthy heart, pursue Jesus, experience revival, grow and deepen and become the disciples that we long to be. Without humility, there's no way forward. Mm-hmm. There is no path. It's, yes. it's, it's the narrow way or it's no way. The broad mm. way, Chris, I, uh, I, I also said this in the same message. I said, I started to think, you know, Jesus said, the broad way is the path that leads to destruction, mm. right? Broad is the way, right? Broadway. And the narrow way is what leads to life. I said, I thought about Broadway. Broadway is a place where there's things on Broadway, almost every city, that you shouldn't be going to. You understand? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, Broadway is full of like all the boutique shops. It's full of all those like little places where you, it's full of distractions. You could spend all day on Broadway shopping and getting stuff that you can't afford and looking at things that you shouldn't see. And all. You can spend all day on Broadway. On the narrow path, there's nothing. There's not even a restroom on the narrow path. The narrow way is mm-hmm. consumed with one thing, destination. You're on the narrow way to get where you're going. Mm-hmm. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Life is Him. Life is Christ. Life is Jesus. You're consumed on that path with following with following Him. On mm-hmm. Broadway, you're consumed with everything else. Yes. And so humility is what I see in your life. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's not only part of the process, it's the gateway into mm-hmm. the, the world that we need to live in, which is, which, which is this sweet place of His presence and knowing Him and, and really having that healthy, um, that healthy heart. I, I mm-hmm. want to ask you, um, what do you think, Chris, are some pitfalls for us, uh, not just us personally, but even you, you observe, you pastor a lot of people. What have you seen categorically as some pitfalls that take us down toxic roads mm-hmm. and, and they literally like unleash an unhealthy heart, right? Instead mm-hmm. of like uh, maintaining this heart of Christ and seeking Him, wanting to be like Him and, and going after Him imperfectly as it were. But what are the, what are the pitfalls that take us down toxic roads. Yeah. You've observed a lot, I'm sure. Yeah. I think the first thing that comes to mind, you know, is tied down to something that Paul says to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which of course is his great exposition on becoming or being a new creature in mm-hmm. Christ. You're mm-hmm. a new creation in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. But attached to that thought, he's he's entirely talking about the way we do relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're a new creature in Christ. Later, he talks about the ministry of reconciliation. But immediately prior to that, he says, you no longer in Christ get to do relationships the way you used to. You no longer get to look at another human the way you used to. Mm -hmm. You don't just get to size them up and come to a conclusion about them and leave them in that conclusion. Mm. You are in the process of transformation, reconciliation, growth, and change, and you are going to become someone who gives that right and opportunity to every person you interact with. You don't get to be judge and jury about how someone is right now, thereby rendering how they will always be. Mm -hmm. Now, yes, there's discernment, like, you know what? You're a bit toxic to me right now. Your behavior ain't right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not suggesting, like... Everything is okay right. in terms of the way we treat ourselves. Mm-hmm. But it's I labeling think and sense, it is. sense I th- of finality. Yeah. I think we come to conclusions about people mm-hmm. definitively, and then we just leave them there. Mm. As if the Spirit of God can't w- do a work in their lives like He's doing in yours. Mm-hmm. 
you want the opportunity to grow with others. Mm-hmm. So why can't we extend that opportunity to Amen, others? Amen, Chris. So for me, when I'm hurt by someone, and mm-hmm. that's happened in spades, one of my points of just working this out with the Lord is, I know that if they're asking you to work in, in, the, in their heart, you will, you are. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking that for you as well. So I don't yet see the way in which that is evidenced towards me. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to conclude that you aren't working. I'm not, I won't go there. I don't have the right to go there mm-hmm. in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, clearly I'm not going to get the opportunity to actively shepherd them in mm-hmm. this moment. Mm-hmm. That They've cut that road off. Right, right. But that doesn't mean you can't do that directly with them or via other means. That's right. And so I'm just, Lord, shepherd Jesus. I, so I just want to keep this perspective like, and, and I think it's really nurtured in this, that whatever brokenness I think I'm absorbing, mm-hmm. I'm broken too. Mm-hmm. And other people have to absorb my brokenness. Mm-hmm. And I hope that is, I hope you absorb as little brokenness from me as possible. <laughs> but it would yeah. be so foolish of me to think that in some way, shape, or form, the people around me aren't absorbing part of my brokenness yeah. with a frequency and a regularity, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just this... It's just this self-awareness that I want to carry. Like, I'm deeply, deeply broken. And yes, I'm relational, and I'm trying to grow in my ability to relate. Mm -hmm. But I don't do this all Mm -hmm. perfectly. In fact, I think think the more I grow relationally, Mm -hmm. the more I become aware of how deeply flawed I am Mm -hmm. in my ability to relate to others at times. It's just so it's just it's it's like the Holy Spirit, in my view, communicates the profound love of God for us, the acceptance of God of us as we are, right? Like God loves us. I mean, He is so for us. Mm-hmm. And and that's the bedrock. He's refuge shelter. And the, then the Holy Spirit invites us to be ruthless with ourselves. And it's not self-hatred. It's doing exactly what you're talking about. There is an evil twin living inside of me. Mm-hmm. And the only thing to do with that evil twin is to bring him to the cross. Mm-hmm. Let Jesus bring him to the work that he's accomplished. Mm-hmm. And just render that evil twin dead. Because whenever I act out of that broken part of me, the sin, sin-infected part of me, I do damage to myself, Mm -hmm. I do damage to other people, I do damage to my witness of king and kingdom Mm -hmm. to great grief. And that's just one of my primary prayers in all this is, Lord, as I'm hurt, as I'm considering response, as I'm trying to play a long game, as I'm trying to be patient, do not let me profane your name, not to to one person. Mm -hmm. One person is too much. Mm Don't let me misrepresent who you are mm-hmm. in my in my frailty. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, keep 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 me. Mm-hmm. I, uh, as you said, stewarding a healthy heart is not necessarily a perfect heart. Mm-hmm. So, in the moments that I realize, <laughs> I said something, I did something, and that's what you were referencing earlier in the text. I just had conviction about something I said. Mm-hmm. And while what I said rings true to me from my perspective right now, 
it doesn't mean my perspective gets to be the end of the story. Amen. And so I just texted you and I said, I just feel conviction from the Lord mm -hmm. that what I shared with you in the, in the intimacy of a friendship. Mm -hmm. I mean, I share with you in ways that I share with very few humans, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So in the, in the intimacy of a friendship, even there, I just, it was just like, I just can't, I can't let that be said to you as my dear friend about what I'm wrestling with and not also recognize the Holy Spirit is working in my life. Like, there's conviction there. Mm -hmm. I, that doesn't get to be the end of the story. And, and in fact, what I recognized was that the Holy Spirit was inviting me to participate in His yearning mm -hmm. towards the other, right? Mm -hmm. Like, his, what he wants to do in the other person. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not like I have a full perspective of that, but mm -hmm. if he's given me just a smidgen of it, mm -hmm. like just a hint of the ways in which he wants to beautify and bless and aid and help this situation in person, well, then, okay, then okay, I'm going to join you in that conviction, mm -hmm. and I'm just going to bless, and I'm going to pray. Mm. And it, far be it from me just to live in small-heartedness. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's so easy to live with a small heart. And mm. believe me, I'm tempted to. Sure, me too. More than I ever want to. Ugh, what grief. But there, mm -mm. God's grace is way too big for that. You, it's, what I love about our conversation is that, um, and we have a number of these conversations, we talk about all kinds of things. We all process differently, I think, but, but what's awesome is it kind of, I sort of summarize it by like perspectives, principles, and practices. The way you're talking is, is that it's a perspective. If we see um, scripturally, which is what you're referring to, 2 Corinthians 5, where Paul's imparting this um, overarching biblical mandate and perspective, we have to be able to see people no longer after the flesh. Hmm. You cannot see people merely by their actions. You can discern their actions as right or wrong. We have to deal with and negotiate behavior. But if we allow their behavior or somebody else's behavior against us or around us to become their identity in our minds and hearts, that's small heartedness. That's where mm. we begin to label someone. Mm. It's what I think happens politically. And, and I've, I've shared this, if you're watching from our church, I've talked about this. It's so, I'm a moral conservative, right? So politically, sometimes just homeless, but I, I you know, of course I advocate uh, certain perspectives, but I do so biblically, mm -hmm. right? Not as a party line person. And so, yes, of course I'm, I'm, I'm pro-life and, and I hold to a biblical sexual ethic and, and none of that's ever changed in my life. I've never mm -hmm. been afraid to share it. I've not, culture hasn't changed that, none of that. But when you're in the political tensions, it's easy to just say, well, all those leftists, you know, these, these, yeah. it's easy to, to look at someone and go, you're a leftist. And what we're doing when we're doing that, it, it, again, you can have a conversation and you can disagree. You can have a conversation, you can disagree with somebody's perspective. But if we start putting labels on people yeah. which, which disallow our ability to hear from them, pray for them, love them, disagree with them, or maybe there's something in their conversation that is helpful to me. Mm. Or, or the overall where we're going or even why you feel the way you do. I, I don't have to agree with you. And that's sort of the problem is, is that we, it's like it's, we're not listening 
to the Lord. We're not even listening to each other. Labelism, that's what I'm going to call it. I've I've made up a new category. I like it. It, Jesus said, do do not judge lest you be judged. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you, Matthew chapter 7. I've come to understand that passage to say, do not label people definitively. Mm Mm-hmm render, you know, your judge, jury, executioner. If you do that, then you miss the grace of God that you have received yourself. Mm. That's why Paul gives us a lot of help all the time, because he's like, I was, I'm, I'm the least among the apostles. I'm the worst among the sinners. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not saying this because he's sort of hating himself. He just is, he's living in the presence of God. He's actively humbling himself with his words. He's not trying to hate on himself and say, I'm not a saint and I'm just a horrible sinner as some would suppose, rather, he's an example to us of living in tension and not allowing himself to be arrogant Mm. and the Spirit of God to touch him and to be the filter from which he sees things. So whether I'm labeling somebody as um, a a sexist or a leftist or a misogynist, I mean, we love labels today, culturally, um, even in Christian circles, we love them because what it's a tribalistic mentality. If I can find all of the people that I agree with and we get into a bunker and we just sort of hunker down, mm-hmm. we, don't, we can, it's, it's escapism and it's fear. Yeah. Rather, we can actually wade into the waters of relationship with people where it's messy and clearly have conviction about what we believe and yeah. be studiers of God's word and listeners of his Holy Spirit. And, but We've got to love people, yeah. and this disallow labelism disallows us from loving people because we think we know, and we hear one word. We know what you are and who you are, and we mm. misidentify people by something that we think. And I, I think what you are sharing is a perspective. It's there's two there's several perspectives in what you're sharing. One is is that I, I want to be hurt for you and not hurt by you. Mm. That's one thing. But if 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 your sin against me produces sin in me, then I'm, we're, there's no difference. It's all the same thing. It's mm-hmm. all from the same source. Mm-hmm. So, but, but I want to be hurt for you, not as somebody who looks down on you, but, mm-hmm. but I want to be able to absorb mm-hmm. and because people are absorbing from me. That's, but it's a perspective. You carry a very healthy perspective. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about healthy perspectives, not just practical stuff. Pastor Ben, what can I do? Yeah. You know, we always want like the five easy steps to being an awesome Christian. <laughs> yeah, know, like, we do. That book will sell. Live your best life. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Live your best life. <laughs> you know, have your best hair, you know, get, buy your best pet, you know, have your best mar- marriage. <laughs> some, some, some people that write those books are, I, I'm, I'm getting off topic. <laughs> my point, my, my, this is a regular occurrence in our is, friendship. It is. I apologize. Yeah. I bring this out in him. Yeah. The point yeah. is, is there's no five easy steps, right? There's just, there's just one long, narrow path. Yeah. The narrow road. Amen. And it's the doorway is humility. Mm. And, and, and so I love the fact that you're talking more about how to think and how to see God and how to see his word. Because if we have that right and how to see people, yeah. if we've got that right, the practicality will just be, uh, dare I say, like first nature, it'll be born again nature, Mm. right? Christ nature. Yeah. To use language that you're using and in response to everything you've just said, I would would go as far as to say, when we use labels Mm. to describe an individual, we are betraying a spirit of humility. Mm -hmm. I'll just go that far because labels boil someone down. 
to an aspect of their life, something they've said, something they stand for, something they're actively doing, but it disregards everything else, the complexity of their life. Here's what I've found. If you really enter into conversation with someone, you really engage with someone, you actually do real relationship. There's grace to be found everywhere with everybody. That's a good word, Chris. There is grace to be found. Whether or not they have responded to the to the the draw of the one who is gracious to them, Jesus himself. But there is grace to be found. And so one thing I've really learned in this last season afresh, and I've I've tried to come home, like to my wife and kids her, how was your day? And I said, you know what? I saw grace today. Hmm. And it was in the form of a conversation with someone. Mm. And grace is just beautiful. Any and all manifestations of grace, it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I am trying to mine for beauty right now because there's so much other stuff. Mm. <laughs> and that's what led, it really to, is. It's, yeah. well, it's led to the discouragement and the disillusionment. Mm-hmm. So let's just, let's look for grace, and there's grace to be found in people's stories, mm-hmm. even people who don't know the source of it yet. Mm-hmm. So let's mine for that. But labels betray a spirit of humility, a spirit that, when, when we're talking about relational humility, it's I see you, and I want to draw near you, and I, wa- I want you. You're mm-hmm. valuable. You're, there, there's there's stuff about you. There's stuff in your story that I think would be valuable to me. And I think we can find that in anyone, any, you know, any, any storyline as damaged as some of them are. There's still grace to be found. So I really, um, I'm quickly reviewing, you know, my practice, but I, it's hard for me to recall a moment when I've just been okay with throwing a label on anyone or anything. Mm-hmm. Well, they're just this. Sure. They may lean in that direction in, a, in, you know, in terms of their participation in a cultural value, mm-hmm. but it's, n- it's not all of who they are. Right. Yeah. And certainly, I hope you don't treat me that way, mm-hmm. whatever you think I am. Mm-hmm. It's easy, it's the easier way. It's the way of the flesh. I, I, in fact, as you're talking, I'm super convicted. <laughs> just to be honest with you, <laughs> and I'm not just saying that. There are a couple things that came to my mind that don't have to do with you, uh, but they do have to do with someone. And so, I, I just, man, I appreciate what you're sharing. And it, 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 I really believe that once again, we're trying to get these practicalities, we're trying to get these practices. But the truth is, if we just don't have the right perspective, biblically speaking, and that really means we need the Word of God. We really do need to know the Word of God really well. Because these things, to me, what you're speaking of, it just, I wouldn't even resonate with it if I didn't really have a value for God's Word. Hmm. If I didn't believe, value, seek to understand and study and actively even journal, because I journal the word every day. If I didn't do that, maybe you don't have to do the journal thing, but like for me personally, and I know that's your practice, it's where you go deep. And Mm -hmm. when you go deep, the Bible says to meditate on his word. You know, we see in Psalm uh, chapter one, uh, Mm -hmm. we hear in Joshua, I believe it's chapter one, meditate on his word. Those who um, are fruitful in every season, meditate on his word day and night. The word meditate means ponder, consider deeply. Um, we're talking about being saturated, and and when your mind and your heart are saturated, you're going to have, 
issues that are going to come against the toxicity of the world, situations, loss, damage, grief, circumstances, turmoil. Mm. That's that's all prophetically speaking. That's all going to keep coming. Okay, mm-hmm. it's promised. In this world, you will have trouble. You know that same word is used about the trial in James one, right? Rejoice uh, when you face trials of many kinds. All right, it's hard mm-hmm. to rejoice when you face trials of many kinds unless you know something that is bigger and better than the trial. There's only one way you can rejoice. You can worship in the midst of your pain or your difficulty. There's only one way. Mm-hmm. It's that you have to know something is more valuable, more important, and uh, and greater than what you're feeling and facing. There's only one way. Mm. And that's what we're saying today. We're saying that um, our practice will come from our perspective and the right practices mm. will always flow, just like the tributary flows from the, from the water source, the river. Um, it will flow if, if, if the water is not stopped up. Mm. And so today, hey, Pastor Chris and I could keep going, honestly, mm. and we probably should. But what I'm going to do <laughs> is I'm just going to have him back. And I hope you know, honestly, and you should listen to his teachings, uh, mc4s.org. But this is just normal life. This is, this is how this man prays, processes, and uh, brings forth his life to bear on others. And uh, if you're in the North area, okay, if you're north of Seattle, Mill Creek Foursquare Church, man, I'll tell you what. This is a pastor you want to have. I love you. Mm. I respect you. I receive from you. This conversation was for me as much as it was for anybody else. Uh, but hey, listen, I want to I want to encourage you to not only hear what's being said today, but as you seek to maintain a healthy heart, let's go to God's word and make sure that our mind is renewed, our hearts yes. Yes. are renewed by His Word, in His presence, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about. That's what we could talk all day about. But thank you for tuning in. Yeah, God thanks. bless you. And I look forward to another conversation with Ben Dixon next week. Amen. Amen.